0: Welcome to Scavenger's Horde. We're a stars podcast offering thoughts on whatever takes our fancy, be it the latest show on Disney Plus or a weird legends novelisation you may have forgotten existed. If you're new here, let me introduce myself. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Kirsty.
0: This is episode 188, and it's 13th of November, 2022. Yes, yeah, so just very, very quickly before we move on to Andor, we wanted to say that we have both watched Sen. Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. <laughs> I love that I'm saying that. It's so bizarre. Um, but yeah, this is like a very, very brief animated short that's a collaboration between Studio Ghibli and Lucasfilm. And it's very, very cute. Um, yeah, do you have anything to add on that short, Kirsty?
1: Uh, not really. I just watched it before we started recording. It's very short and sweet. Yep. Um it kind of makes me hope for future collaborations. Yes. Something with a bit more story to it. Exactly. But yeah, I just loved seeing Grogu and the Dust Bunnies together. That's a cool crossover. <laughs> it was for me. very sweet. Yeah, no, and I loved how like
0: handmade it was, you know, like it's done in like a very traditional, like hand drawn animation style on like um parchment almost. And yeah, it looks very, very beautiful. It's got a lovely aesthetic quality. Um, But yeah, it's just like a pretty series of images, you know, rather than telling the story as such. Um, So yeah, I think we just both hope it's like a precursor to more substantial projects to come, but we will see.
1: Yeah, also sweet for what it is, if that's all, you know, that's going to happen. But I think maybe some people saw the teaser on Twitter the other day and were hoping that it meant like they'd be doing it a vision short or something like that. Yeah. But maybe they will. We see.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There is definitely a season two of visions coming. So fingers crossed for that. Um but yeah, no brilliant stuff. Um oh god, also I don't have it in the notes here and we won't go into it in depth this time because we have restrictions on our recording time that mean we need to do do this episode quickly essentially but just wanted to acknowledge that we've had the cast announcement for Acolyte which has officially officially started filming because they've announced it on the starwars.com website now and they've announced that carrie Ann Moss is among the cast so yeah we were both very excited for that weren't we Kirsty yes
1: I saw it almost screamed <laughs> <laughs>
0: Honestly like when i because i found out through Kirsty um texting me basically i hadn't seen the announcement myself and i was like where the hell did this come from and like i thought like is this like Kirsty's imagination is this just something that <laughs> it they It does really sound like something i would dream up <laughs> but yeah no it's real so clearly the Acolyte is just all about making our fantasies reality so yeah thank amazing. you amazing thank you yeah Leslie i'm, uh, I'm
1: assuming that Leslie Headland is a huge matrix fan and this is just like her dream casting yeah, she manifested it into being. It's just amazing,
0: and I know she's also a massive Star Wars fan. So I think this whole experience of making this show must just be one constant pinch me moment. So I'm very, very happy for her living her dreams. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, no. So let's move on to Andor. So this is just going to be our roundup slash discussion of Episode Ten, which is pretty bloody fantastic. I think it's safe to say. So yeah, it's not even, I don't even really need to ask you this, Kirsty, but I'm pretty sure you also <laughs> thought it was a fantastic episode, right?
1: It was great. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was very emotional in places. Yeah, Um. Yeah. quite, it went deep, like in ways I didn't expect, because like you, I think I just kind of assumed that the prison breakout episode would be just focused on that. But I should know better at this point because they are really adept at weaving in the different strands of the story to, like, make a bigger thematic statement. Yeah. And the connection between Kino and and Lufin's speech at the end there and and what Mon Mothma was dealing with at the same time. Like, there's this clear emphasis on the sacrifices that they're all willing to make. Sure.
0: Yeah. I think they're just... They're cleverer than we could possibly anticipate, you know, which I love because it sort of renders theorizing about this completely pointless because I feel like nothing I as a fan could come up with is going to be as like intricate or intelligent or as thoughtful is what they come up with, which I love. That's the way I want it to be. You know, I want them to pull something out of the bag that I couldn't have possibly anticipated and I feel like they're doing that every episode now. So yeah, it's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's a nice feeling. For
0: sure. Um, but yeah, I know last time, Kirsty, you um mentioned to me quite casually, um, but I, I remembered the question and when I saw the answer I was like, Oh, I should bring this up to Kirsty. Um Tony Gilroy has basically been given lots of interviews about Andor recently and the Hollywood reporter asked him what Kathy Kennedy thought about Andor mm-hmm. and how she felt about it. And this lined up perfectly with your question. So yeah, do you want
1: to very quickly read out the question and the answer, Kirsty? yeah they asked him what's the temperature right now at lucasfilm a kathy kennedy and co over the moon i think so yeah everybody's really happy i've never had reviews or affirmation like this in my life for anything and the passion of the people who've been following along is just overwhelming man i don't know what else to say it's humbling so yeah i think everybody's happy with that everybody's pleased that house of the dragon and rings of power are now out of the way and i think a lot of people have been waiting for someone to tell them that it's okay to watch Andor now or whatever so the plan is that we'll have a pretty long tail as we go, and everybody seems pretty pleased, unless you know something I don't.
0: Yeah, I just love all these interviews with Tony Gilroy. Have you had a chance to see any of them, really, Kirsty? I haven't,
1: but I'm going to check them out. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Honestly, they're I've really good. I have the links in the show notes, so you can access them through there. Um, but yeah it's he's just so like open and forthcoming in interviews. It's like the complete opposite of the mystery box approach we had during the sequel trilogy,
1: yeah, it's very candid and grounded, isn't it
0: exactly? yeah, he's just, just says that how it is, basically, you know, and there's more to come later from him, where again, it's information I'm surprised that he's actually coming out with at this point and I feel like anyone else there would have been like oh the Lucasfilm snipers are over my shoulder and they're going to shoot me if I say this um, but Tony Gilroy just clearly knows they're imaginary snipers and he doesn't need to worry so he'll just talk
1: oh, okay now I'm intrigued what he said <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well hopefully we'll get there so um, yeah I-, I think you'll be interested um, but yeah no I was really happy to see him say this in particular you know the fact that he's clearly feeling very supported by Lucasfilm because Yeah, this is an amazing show, you know, so I'm really glad it seems like it's recognized internally that this is such a great piece of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, he must have, he's got, he comes across as someone who just has the confidence of like knowing that he put out this quality show Yeah, and doesn't really have anything to prove beyond that. Yeah. So yeah, he's not worried probably about what other people have to say about it if he knows he made a good thing. Exactly. God, I envy that level of
0: self-confidence. And it, to be clear, it's very much justified self-confidence. He should be proud of and confident in the show. You know, sometimes you make great work, but you don't always recognise that you've made great work. And it's quite refreshing to just see someone own that, you know, and be like, yeah, I did good. Yeah. So yeah, I respect it. Um. But yeah, so let's go through the different arcs in the episode. So... Obviously, like we were saying, the majority of this episode is focused on the prison, on Arkina 5, and specifically breaking out from the prison. Um, but there are also little glimpses of other storylines, which are pretty crucial glimpses, to be honest. But I was thinking because it's the main thrust of the episode, we could start off with the prison arc. So yeah, your thoughts on how they wrapped this all up and got them out of there, Kirsty?
1: It was just really great. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any, like... Uh, incredible analysis here um, <laughs> i just really enjoyed seeing these characters take matters into their own hands and like yeah kind of get to that point of realization that it's like well we're kind of dead if we stay here anyway so it's better to go down fighting yeah
0: exactly it's like a slim chance is better than no chance
1: i must admit even before they started i was like wait aren't they surrounded by water are they gonna just like <laughs> managed to find enough ships to get them all off. Yeah. Did that occur to you?
0: Yeah. You know, it's so obviously it was very clear that they were building towards an escape from the prison, right? Yeah. So I think I always knew that, yeah, they're going to get out. But I think in my head, I was thinking, oh, they're going to steal a spaceship or something and fly away. <laughs> you know yeah, but how
1: big would it have to be to get all of those prisoners? Because when they're dropped in, yeah. it's just a set. You know, it's a maybe like 10 of them. I can't remember how many were with Cassian when he was dropped off, but...
0: Yeah, well, I think the thing is, when I was thinking about what they might do, I was only thinking about that floor escaping, you know, so the floor that had right. Cassian and Andy Circus and everyone. Um, I didn't imagine that they were going to, like, literally set everyone free in that facility, mm. essentially. You
1: couldn't leave them behind, though, could they?
0: Yeah, and again, I love that because that speaks to the heroic spirit of the show, right? You know, so I think like if it would be like super edgy and gritty you know it'd be like we're only after out for ourselves you know we just need to prioritize our own lives you know and we need to get out quickly so we have to leave them behind there's a path they could have gone down in that direction but i think ultimately the show is more optimistic you know it wants you to have some sort of faith in humanity you know so it ultimately shows them making the fair and right and just choice in that situation which is to give everyone a chance so yeah, I, I really love that they went that direction with it. Same. It's kind of like hard to talk about in detail because, you know, it is a prison break, you know, and obviously there's all the mechanics of how they get out, like Cassian flooding the floor and them cutting off the electric and stuff. It's a really clever plan. But I think what I appreciated most about the execution of that was how they didn't, um, like, show you them planning it all and, like, plotting it out. So I feel like in another series or film or whatever, they would have done that. You know, they would have had an extended scene and be like, right, we need to start off by flooding the floor and (laughs) all that sort of thing. And then they would have shown it. But I felt it was so much more effective because, you know, that they're going to make a plan, but it's much more interesting to actually just watch the plan play out, you know, rather than having it explained to you beforehand.
1: They laid the groundwork in subtle small ways as well because I think was it in the last episode that you saw him kind of fiddling with that pipe? Yeah, that's right. When he went for a break? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there were inklings there but you're right that it wasn't like okay, this is what we're going to do and then you see them do it. Yeah. Because it wasn't really about that.
0: Exactly. Another, you know, they could have done like a corny montage or something and they avoided that. So, yeah, that was a very good choice.
1: Yeah, it was more telling for the characters as well. It just felt like it revealed more about their emotional state at that point to see like one of them kind of getting really worried and the other's kind of like i, I don't know it, you could see them kind of discussing it without discussing it yeah. obviously once once they're on the floor they can't talk openly but because they've prepped beforehand um like in the the holding cell they they kind of knew where they were all at they could they you know they've spent so much time together they can communicate without Having to like actually spell it all out
0: exactly, and I just loved how you you know like that moment of tension when they're bringing in the new prisoner, mm. and you know you're waiting for them to like lower the um platform, and you know you're sort you're sort of holding your breath thinking like oh shit are they gonna realise what's going on are they gonna not come down, but then it starts coming down and I was like yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like you're it like half waiting for something to go wrong yeah, yeah. and obviously people do die. For sure, like you get the sense, you know, even before that happens, that it's a very real possibility, they're not all going to make it out. Yeah, um, no. oh, I loved initially that conversation between Kino and Cassian at the beginning, yeah, right when they're being told to get on. On program, but yeah, Cassian's still having to like talk him into it, like it has to be today, yeah, you know, because otherwise they're going to get too wise to it, they're going to bring in more guards and stuff like that,
0: yeah. And it kind of shows how important Cassian's role is to all this, you know, that Kino yeah. Loi on his own wouldn't have been enough, you know,
1: to no, he would have just carried on, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. He needed Cassian to be that driving force behind him and like really pushing him to do it. And um, yeah, I just felt they portrayed that dynamic between them really beautifully.
1: Yeah, and that's even the case for the speech that he makes. Yeah. Like he starts off and Cassian's like, Is that it? Is that yeah. The best you've got? Exactly. Um <laughs> and it's not that Kino's not capable, but all of that is locked inside and he's probably been so beaten down by the system that he's been in for god knows how long. It he does need Cassian to be like that impetus. Yeah. Exactly. He's So he saves them, really.
0: Yeah. He's like this motivating force. So, yeah, and I think it's great. It's sort of justifying why the show is called what it's called, right? Um, because it's not just called Rebel Activity, it's called mm-hmm. Andor, you know, and it's doing a really good job at making the case for how critical Andor is to all the events we're watching. So, yeah, I really love it. And yeah, and just a tiny moment I really appreciated and found kind of fascinating is how after like the great mass of prisoners have escaped and they're just running freely through the corridors, there's like a very quick cutaway to a group of Imperials cowering behind mm. a door, like and just hiding and they're clearly petrified. You know, because they know that if they're discovered, they're all gonna be murdered, basically. And I just love that way that they're showing them so vulnerable and like weak and human. You know, because I feel like so often in the movies, they're sort of like mythologized and portrayed as kind of untouchable until suddenly they're not when they die. Yeah, they're bullies. Yeah. Um, whereas here, they're like scared little children, you know, and I think that's sort of building the case for why these people can even be defeated. Right. Because, yeah, they, they are still human. You know, they, are fr- they have these frailties and weaknesses that can be exploited. And yeah, in this case, it was just the arrogance that they could keep control over all these people with such
1: low numbers. So
0: yeah, really Mm. fascinating.
1: I don't know why, but I thought for the breakout, the boots would be more of a factor, like that they would take them from someone or something. But I guess it was just, you know, they had to zoom in on those and focus on those in the first episode on Nagina 5 to like explain to us how it worked. But then obviously the floor did play into the breakout pretty significantly. It just wasn't the boots themselves yeah. that mattered. I don't know why I had it in my head that they would be the way to go. No, I had
0: exactly the same thought, actually. And I'm really glad you said that. So if I have like any tiny nitpick, there's like a moment when after they've got up to the um, supervisor's level... Um, and y- you know they are just like grabbing guns off the racks and stuff. There was another rack with shoes, and I was just waiting for them to stop grabbing the shoes and putting the shoes on, and they didn't. They're like, ah, right, you gonna put the shoes. I guess it
1: just there wouldn't be enough pairs, right? Yes, yeah, like, the, the whole point is that there aren't enough guards. Yeah, never more than twelve, and um, and there are thousands of prisoners. Yeah. So it becomes a bit of a moot point at that point, I guess. Yeah. But they they work a way around it anyway. So.
0: Yeah, and I guess there's just not a moment to lose. They have to get to that control room, and they do. Yeah, um, And yeah, that speech from Andy Circus was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, like I won't get us to read it out, right? Because everyone's watched the episode, so they know what the speech is like, and we couldn't deliver it as great as Andy Circus delivered it, right? Um, no, of course not. But, but yeah, just,
1: it's just yeah, so the, Yeah, wonderfully written. Like the phrase, "no, you know, one way out, that's going to it sticks with you, doesn't it? And just the emphasis on like helping each other, that's really important too.
0: Yeah, exactly. I found that so beautiful, especially the detail of, you see someone who's confused, someone who's lost, you get them moving and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. Um, And yeah, then, yeah, I just love that, you know, remembering the vulnerable and stuff, you know, so obviously they've just been through this experience where Olaf has just died. And obviously he was an old frail man. You know, so he must have been at the foremost, at the forefront of Kino's mind, I think, when he was saying that. So yeah, it makes it feel much more personal, I think, than it might
1: have otherwise. I guess I just hope that someone was listening to him and decided to help him when he realised that he wouldn't be able to jump out of everyone. Um, yeah. Because Cassian tries to, and then he gets pushed out. It was devastating.
0: I know. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, just the most heartbreaking line in the whole episode was easily, I can't swim. <laughs> it's just I've The simplicity say, of it is like, oh. Yeah, I've heard
1: others talking about it and like, oh, Kino must have known all along that he wouldn't be able to escape. But I'm not sure that's true because it's this big realisation moment. Yeah. Maybe it just doesn't occur to him until that point. I think, honestly, they were just in such
0: like a euphoric rush at having got out of there you know, they weren't really thinking beyond just the concept of escape, you know, like, and, you know, if you look at the speech and what he's promising people, it is very, like, pie in the sky, kind of, it's not grounded at all, you know, he's saying, if we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we'll be home in no time, and it's, like, heartbreaking, you know, because, of course, that's what they all want, but realistically, if he were to put his logic hat on, he'd know that's pretty much impossible you know so even mm-hmm. if they went home the empire would come looking for them right um so yeah like i feel like it's that idea of just being swept up in the emotion and swept up in, like holy shit we did this we actually overcame them you know we had this victory i i don't think he was thinking in practical terms and yeah it just hit him at that last moment that holy shit i can't get out of here and yeah it's heartbreaking
1: yeah I'm j- I'm not thinking about it too much cuz I'm like maybe someone helped him. Yeah. Maybe it's all right.
0: And I hate to say it, but the thing is it's not like we see him like pushed over or drowned or anything. I don't see him like waiting there to give himself up, right? So who knows what might happen, but at the end of the day we might see him again, you know, we might discover what becomes of him. Um mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if we do not, but yeah, there might be more to come from him, so we will see.
1: He could have found another way out. He could have found a little ship for himself. Yeah, he could
0: just find like a little X-wing or something and just fly <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that for that, I would like it to be like a conventional Star Wars thing because <laughs> that's <laughs> what would happen. <laughs> it's like bye bye, Kino Loy. Have a safe trip home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want a nice happy ending for him. He deserves it. He was um, such a cool character. It's really good.
1: Yeah, and then even like at the end, you see Cassie and Is it Melchie? That's the name. Melshi. Um, yeah, they're running along barefoot, and it's like, oh, you're still on the planet. Like, how? You need a ship.
0: Yeah. No, you exactly. Know, you... I have so many questions, and again, I'm sure we'll get some sort of answer before too long. But it's like, so are there inhabitants of this planet somewhere who have nothing to do with the prison facility? Would they have ships they can steal? Like, who knows? But yeah, they're clearly on some sort of landmass now, which is superior to being in the sea. But I would also say their current position is suboptimal. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very, very fascinated to see the logistics of how they got off that planet and yeah, yeah, join up with the rebellion again. Okay, so yeah, let's let's move on to talk about some of the other threads in this episode. So it's just one long scene, but there's a very important scene with Mon Mothma on Coruscant, and yeah, so it's basically following on from what was set up last time where a rather shady Chandrilan banker called Davo Skulden comes to visit Mon. And um, Tay is there too, because he arranged the meeting. And yeah, what did you think about Davo, Kirsty? <laughs> he's
1: obviously a complete scumbag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he really is. <laughs> I, I also had the vibe, and I'm not sure how much this was intended... But he's a guy, you know. He didn't necessarily come from much to begin with, yeah. And I think sort of with his plan, he wants what typically money couldn't buy you, which is the prestige of like this illustrious marriage. Exactly. Because, yeah, the Mothma line is clearly a very like prestigious one in that culture, and yeah, he clearly wants a piece of that, which is why he's not asking for any money. He's wanting for this intangible. And oh god, just when I realised what he wanted, oh god, I just had the shivers. Yeah.
1: yeah, I didn't see where it was going because at first when he said he didn't want money, I was like, oh, he just wants to have this to hold over her because he must have an inkling of like what it is that she wants it for. Maybe he doesn't, but um, I just thought he wanted to kind of like hold that over her as a threat. Yeah. But then he mentions his son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just love the setup of that, you know, because they've paced... They've done such a good job of establishing, you know, that Mon's in this unhappy arranged marriage, you know, and it's something she really dislikes. It's like a chain around her le- leg, you know, she does
1: not enjoy it at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the yeah. same
1: for her husband in different ways, right? Yeah. They kind of allude to that too. No, exactly. Like it's not a choice that either of them made.
0: Yeah. And then she's faced with the choice between setting up that kind of arrangement for her own daughter or not doing it and potentially jeopardising all her work for the Rebellion. And at first, you know, I'm a bit naive as a watcher, I think. So when she said absolutely not and told him to get out, I really thought that was the end of it. But then when he said, "Um, that's the first lie you've told me, I was like, oh, shit, she really is considering it, isn't she? (laughs) And then when they go back to the actress, I was like, shit, yeah, I can really see she's genuinely... (laughs) um yeah so now I'm like holy crap what is she gonna do um and yeah I just love that you know it makes me it makes me edge of my seat to watch the next one and find out what the conclusion is
1: yeah yeah there's probably all sorts of ways she starts to like quickly rationalize that as an option for herself like oh well I did it and I'm you know it's not it's not great but it's not so bad either (laughs) yeah and um and yeah that she probably tells herself that she has no choice
0: do you reckon she's going to go through with it and let the meeting happen?
1: I'm not sure. I don't. It might not be so simple, like something might get in the way beforehand. Or... Yeah,
0: no, anything could happen really, which again is one of the nicest things about this show, that feeling of like, wow, I've got no idea what's going to happen and that's really cool. But yeah, and I'm also getting increasingly suspicious about Tay. I think you said before that you were already suspicious of Tay, but I'm now very suspicious of Tay.
1: Yeah, I just don't know what to make of him. I don't think it's as simple as him being on her side now. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah, just... Again, I don't have any, like, firm predictions or anything. It's just interesting to watch it unfold. Exactly.
0: And I think especially the prospect of... um, Yeah, things going really bad with this Davos situation. I feel like Tay is perhaps more on Davos' side than Mons, and she'll realise that too. Um, Yeah, who knows? It's again, it's just so wide open, and I love that. You know, it's like I've got no idea what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be good. And yeah, that's the best feeling.
1: Yeah, the characters all feel quite unpredictable, don't they? Because they're all in these tough situations, and it's like, oh, it could go either way. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and I also love how, you know, that awful choice that Mon's now confronted with it ties in so beautifully to Lufen's speech about sacrifice and what he's given up for the sake of the rebellion because you know Lufen's speech is quite abstract you know in terms of like he's given up like his goodness and like all these like qualities that would have made him like a worthy person kind of but with Mon that speech is amazing it's an amazing wonderful speech. it's like Shakespeare yeah it's just so beautifully (laughs) written it's amazing but I think just what I loved about that in combination with the scene with Mon is how that really makes it so grounded, you know, just the human cost of being involved with this um, fight, you know, in that cause. Um, mm. And yeah, I just felt they complemented each other so well.
1: Yeah. And then it like, I can't remember where the jump is, but that you've got. Um, Skulden like talking to Mon about their children and then you hit, hit to Lufen and he's like oh I hear you have a child now ah! and he's making that implicit threat of yeah. oh, I, I know this about you no. and I know you're stuck where you are because of it
0: exactly yeah because the other thread you get in this episode is that you finally get confirmation that there is a mole at the Imperial Security Bureau and that mole is Lonnie Young Um, who is played by Robert Ems, who's quite a prolific TV actor in the UK. So I recognised him. And I was kind of suspicious because he was there, but not having much to do. And I was like, Mm. I think he's going to be significant in some way, but I don't know how yet. And he's clearly significant because he's the mole. (laughs) Um, And yeah, just before we get on to Lufin, very quickly, I'm fascinated by the fact that Lonnie has now told Lufin that Deirdre Miro is really sniffing around and like getting to the bottom of what he's doing because I really feel like they're setting Deirdre up for a spectacular fall I I think she's going down in a big way by the end of the season
1: yeah I mean she's not going to continue to be able to go down that path is she because it's just too dangerous and now Lufen has confirmation of that and how close she's getting to discovering who axis is yeah
0: and you'll like this some um, reference Kirsty. so it actually reminds me of an agatha christie novel oh. in the sense that i feel like there's so many people who have out, out for deirdre now so if she were to be murdered there would be so many suspects
1: oh yeah it could be cyril yeah it could be
0: cyril <laughs> it could be blevin it could be lufin it could be any number of people basically because yeah. she's got so many enemies could
1: be someone from Ferrix. yeah yeah
0: it could be that little upstart assistant that she has who seems too good at his job. Um <laughs> yeah, just so many options. So yeah, I'm fascinated to see that play out. Um but yeah, we should probably talk about Lufin before we wrap this up. So yeah, wasn't Stellan Skarsgard brilliant but terrifying in this episode?
1: EO, oh, was so sad as well. Yeah. I, I just it's such a gift because I feel like this has been and maybe, you know, I need to go back and kind of look over some more Saw stuff, but I feel like Lufin is very similar to Saw in a way, in the way that he, like, captures this real grey character who has been, like, morally compromised in a sense by their commitment to the rebellion. Yeah. But in a way that, like, you know, makes them very moral in a sense because they, like, they understand that this is kind of what it's going to take and they take the fall so that other people can be the more conventional heroes mm. like that's fair you know they're martyrs yeah in a in a way you know um in a very dark way yeah and it was very moving and he just gave it a fantastic performance
0: exactly and i just love how like almost every line and every action from lufin you're constantly recalibrating how you should feel about him Because when he's talking to Lonnie about his baby daughter, you are terrified, you know. Yeah. You get the feel that it's kind of from a genuine place, but also you know that if it would give the rebellion like a big win or a huge advantage in some way, he would probably sacrifice that child, you know, without hesitation. And that's But he tells you
1: that he has the self-awareness and the self-loathing that accompanies that. Yeah. Like there are so many layers here.
0: Exactly, yeah. And... Yeah, I I just feel like we could probably do a whole separate podcast just on his speech. To be honest, because there's so much going on at every line, and like the fact that you know he's clearly been plotting all this out for 15 years, and that's at the time Palpatine took over the Senate, basically. Mm. You know, so he's been in it since the earliest, earliest days, and oh god I, I know it's bad to ask for this especially because it's sort of like oh come on Rachel but I would love to know more about his background you know what started this yeah. fire in him
1: did he have a connection to Palpatine in some way like was he able to see what was happening before anyone else he can't just be like a regular civilian yeah right like what's his what what is it what's his connection yeah and I don't I don't mean like I want to know who his family was or whatever necessarily <laughs> exactly. but like Yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere, and he seems to be the drive behind the rebellion in a way that I would never have gleaned, like, even from those deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith, you know, like, yeah, you have Padme, Mon, and Bale and stuff, but, like, what about a character like Yeah, who is not part of the Senate, he's not, like, a a politician in the way that we would understand it, but, like, he's there, and he's formative, exactly like in a way that you wouldn't have seen coming
0: so he's basically like the spider at the center of the web of everything you know like he's the one like spinning all these connections and like lining up all these ducks in a row you know so that things can happen um yeah I, and i just also love the way that you can never really tell when he's telling the truth you know i do think he's been sincere when he talks about you know everything he sacrificed i think that's real that's coming from a genuine place but, you know, just when he is like barefaced lying to Lonnie and saying he didn't have anything to do with Altani, it's like, well, we know that's a lie, you know? And he's just constantly doing this with every single person he interacts with. He's telling all of them a different story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, God, what must be going on in his head to keep track of all of it? And it's just staggering. No,
1: yeah. No ego at all, either. Like, he's not interested in claiming credit for Aldani. You know, even to Saw, like, it's just not. Not at all interested in claiming that. Yeah, after all that work.
0: Exactly. There's zero like interest in glory. Which, yeah, is definitely one of the most appealing characteristics that he has. I think. So, yeah, just a really, really fascinating character. Mm. As promised, Kirsty, we have an interesting quote from Tony Gilroy on Lufin's trajectory. So, yeah, could you read it out, please? It's from the Hollywood Reporter.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's a chess player, man. He's sacrificing a castle to protect his queen. So I don't think the Krieger story is over yet. Lufin is in a very tough spot and his position over the next five years is only going to get more complicated because how do you build this network? Earlier on, he says that he's been building it for 10 or 12 years, but all of a sudden with Aldani, they're going loud. All of a sudden, they're going to expose themselves. And in a classic political sense, he's an accelerationist. He believes in the fact that you have to make it hurt really bad in order to bring people to change. Once you make that announcement, via the old heist in episode six once you do that you're no longer in charge of the thing that you put out there so how do you juggle your paranoia how do you maintain your secrecy how do you go big and stay small and tight how do you expand while expansion makes you more vulnerable those are going to be issues you're seeing the beginning of those issues in episode 10 and in this tranche that's also one of the major food groups that we'll be dealing with in the second season Nice little tease there. <laughs> it's
0: quite a big tease, really, <laughs> because immediately he's telling you that, well, Lufin clearly survives this season because he be still around oh, in I... five years.
1: Yeah, I kind of thought that would be... I didn't have that in question, honestly. Okay. I, didn't... Yeah, yeah. I think I would have been quite confused if they'd like killed Lufen off at the end of the season. Yeah. Because <laughs> then who takes his place?
0: I think just from a cynical point of view, I was thinking, God, could they get Stellan Skarsgård for more than one season? And they clearly could. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy they could um, because yeah, he's fantastic and I want as much of him as we can get. Um, but yeah, it's just a really fascinating quote and it definitely sets up lots of exciting stuff for that character. Because you can totally see it in, you know, all these like lies and all the risks he's taking, you know, and even meeting up with this guy. You, you know, there are vulnerabilities in what he's doing and how he's behaving. Obviously no one wants these vulnerabilities, they're inevitable because of the type of work he does. Um and yet, yeah, and on that note, I kind of feel like Lufin and Claire are working with like different like plans with respect to Cassian. Because can you mm. remember a few episodes ago, Claire is literally telling Vel that she needs to off
1: Cassian, yeah. basically. Yeah, I didn't think that she'd done that with his go ahead. Yeah,
0: and now I'm even more convinced of that. You know, seeing Luthen's philosophy is expressed in this speech in this episode, I really think they're building up to like a clash with that essentially where I think mm-hmm. one or the other is going to discover, I, I reckon probably Luffy will discover that Clay has been sneaking behind his back with respect to Cassian. He's going to be like, ah, 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 we don't do that. I put too much effort into this guy to just trash him. <laughs> and I think he'll especially do that when he learns what happened on the prison, because I'm sure he will learn, you know, so the news is going to get out that that happened. And, yeah, I think that's going to renew Lufen's conviction that he was right to see something in Cassian and that he does need to become like an integral part of this operation and like work with the Rebellion properly.
1: I hope so, because I was a bit worried that he was like, oh, well, he's gone, I can't find him, on to the next one, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I kind of want to see those characters reunited. Yeah,
0: I really think and hope that's what's coming, because I think there was a very deliberate edit towards the end of the episode where you get Lufin saying, I need all the heroes I can get. And then it cuts directly to Cassian and Melshi running away on Arkina 5. (laughs) So I think it's pretty implicit that those are the heroes that Lufin is hoping to get. So um, yeah, I I think we
1: can feel secure. Cool. Well, maybe they even reunite by the end of the season then.
0: Yeah, I really hope so. And I think that would give the season as a whole some nice symmetry because obviously the first act is all about Lufin finding Cassian, you know, and seeing something in him that convinces him to save him and take him away. And I think it would bookend it really beautifully, you know, if it were to parallel that in some way, maybe like Cassian ends up saving um, in some way. That could be really cool. Mm. Um, But yeah, this show is too intelligent for me to try and second guess it. So I'm not going to commit to any firm predictions, but I will just say I'm very, very excited for the finale because this show honestly just keeps getting better and better. So if they can surpass this with the final two episodes, it's going to be something really extraordinary.
1: You know what I'm kind of dreading what Deidre's got in store for Marva. I don't see Marva living beyond the end of this season.
0: Yeah, I'd say she's very high on the risk of death list for sure. Yeah, I reckon though that if they do off her, I reckon she's gonna have some big glory moment at the end. You know because they've made a big point about her wanting to be a rebel. You know and contribute towards that. And again, this show it's always optimistic to like on a su- in a subtle way. So I think it would show her having some sort of big win. Maybe she kills Deirdre. That would be fun.
1: I would kind of love to her- see her realising that Cassian has become part of
0: the Rebels in a way. Oh god, yeah, her pride. she doesn't
1: know yet, does she? No. So if Deidra goes in there and interrogates her, that would be her way of finding out. And I would love it if that made her happy.
0: <laughs> oh god, that would be a wonderful scene. I know it's bad to sort of, like, pin your hopes on, like, something you've just yeah. predicted, but that would be amazing. I really hope that yeah. happens.
1: I don't mind making predictions when I do, because I, I know that whatever they'll come up with will be just as great, even if it's completely different, So yeah. or better, you know? So exactly. a lot of the time I I don't, like, have a, you know, I'll just, like, oh, to see where it's going. But with Marva, I feel like it has to come back to something, like, you know, it has to connect to Cassian. Yeah. So if Deidre comes in and, like, I don't know, she's obviously... I mean, she says to her superior, right, that they're like keeping, they're tracking her every move so that they can use her if they need to.
0: Yeah. And they literally show someone very, very quickly in this episode just spying on her house. So they want yeah. us to remember that she's being watched, you know, and it's yeah. going to be picked up again. she also see Cinta um, outside the house too. So yeah. <laughs> everyone's got their eyes on that house.
1: Maybe Cinta will play it. Heroic part in that or something. I don't. Know. Maybe she could rescue Marvel. Or something. I don't know. Yeah,
0: don't know. I'd like to see some moment of optimism from Cinta I feel like she's so grim <laughs> in so many ways. I feel sorry for her because she's clearly yeah. had such a rough background. But yeah, uh, I just hope she doesn't like just continue to have misery in her life. Basically, <laughs> give her a, give her a hero <laughs> moment. Give her a nice hero <laughs> moment. So I feel like even though they didn't show what she did on Wild Harney you know, with those hostages, I feel like it probably wasn't anything particularly fun or life affirming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably the opposite of life affirming more like life ending <laughs> Sorry, I'm being dark now um, but yeah so suffice to say we're really really excited for the finale and yeah we will be back to discuss it when the everything is wrapped up so yeah very exciting times for Star Wars storytelling ahead and yeah and hopefully in the future we'll also have a proper episode discussing like acolyte hype now that we have more information on the cast and stuff
1: yeah, I don't know why, for some reason, I thought that they'd been filming it a little longer than they have. they have like, just started, right? Yeah, I
0: think, like, a week or two ago now. So, yeah, yeah, it's very new. I think they were building sets for some time, so that can make it blurry, you know, so you've probably seen, like, sets being built and stuff. Right. Let's wrap it up, then. So, I'm Rachel, and you can find me on Twitter at Rachel1918.
1: I'm Kirsty, and you can find both of us on Twitter at ScavengersHorde. Until next time, bye! Bye!